Hello and welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. It's the podcast that takes a look behind the scenes of the fantasy football industry through interviews with your favorite content creators. On this episode, I sat down with Corey Bushlin of Fantasy Stock Exchange. We talked about so many things, including college football, being an incubator with underdog fantasy, being a diehard Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan while being from Canada, advice for YouTubers, stand-up comedy, dynasty best ball leagues, and a ton more. Make sure to go check out his podcast and all of his work. You can find Corey on Twitter at FootballStock. You can follow me on Twitter at the Casey Kasem, as well as the show at GetReal underscore pod. This podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. Get Real is giving away a spot in Scott Fishbowl 12. To be entered, you must be following at the Casey Kasem and at GetReal underscore pod on Twitter. Send a DM to GetReal underscore pod stating your favorite episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. You must be signed up for SFB at scottfishbowl.com, so please make sure to go do that before entering. Entries are accepted until 9 p.m. Central on Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. For an added entry, leave a rating and or review on Apple or Spotify in that same time frame. Make sure to send a screenshot of your review to get real underscore pod on Twitter. And for a third entry, donate to pancan.org, that's P-A-N-C-A-N dot O-R-G, and send a screenshot to, again, at get real underscore pod. For more information, go check out the pinned tweet on the podcast Twitter feed. Oh, and I'm also going to be doing a freestyle rap for three hours on Tuesday as well. So if you're listening to this before that 7th, go check it out. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central. Be there. And now here's my episode with Corey Bushlin. Dope. Okay. Super excited to have you on today. This episode has is actually one that hasn't taken that long for me to get the guests to come on. Usually I have a really hard time getting a guest to come on where our schedules can actually work out, but I'm very excited, very excited right now. Corey, can you let everybody know how you got, before you got, how you got started in the fantasy fantasy space, how did you get involved with sports in general? What was it like when you were growing up? Um, I don't know. When I was a kid, I was always just a big sports fan. Um, I'm Canadian, so naturally hockey was the first sport I uh, gravitated towards when I was, you know, three, four, five years old. I'm reading hockey cards and stats and that kind of stuff. So that was like the beginning of my like sports fandom. Um, as I got older, I, I gravitated more towards football, which is now obviously my favorite sport. And uh, started playing fantasy, I don't know, a couple 2013, 14. I can't remember exactly what year it was. That trophy behind me. Um, if this is, if you're watching anybody who's watching this on video, uh, it's behind me because I've won my home fantasy league two years in a row. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that that trophy never goes anywhere, but that's basically, you know, how I got into support, uh, sports in the first place. It's kind of always been a part of me. So do you have a favorite hockey team? I do. Um, I, so I have like a weird hockey team journey. Cause when I was a kid, I was actually a Montreal Canadiens fan, um, because my entire family was Leaf fans. Uh, because I live, you know, near Toronto, Ontario. So um, my whole family is Leaf fans. But as I got older, I realized that was kind of just like a rebellious thing that I was doing, cheering for the like the rival of my family's favorite team. So I'm, <laughs> I am a Leaf fan. Well, awesome. Well, I don't watch a whole lot of hockey. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to get a, a little bit of insight into that. Have you ever played fantasy hockey? I have, but I, I just I don't have the same connection to it as I do with football. I've played fantasy basketball as well, and I just it's not it, to me. Football is just the best fantasy sport because it's I mean it's the least daily maintenance that you have to do, even though you love it so much that you want it to be on every day. It's only on uh, you know three times a week, mostly on Sundays. So I think that's the best part of fantasy football is like the once a week aspect of it. 
and being from Canada, football is, I mean, obviously NFL, you know, <laughs> how did you find a team? How did you determine like who you would go for? Yeah. So playing Madden video games is probably the way that most Canadian uh, people fall in love with an NFL team. I know, you know, uh, my co-host Danny, he's a Cowboys fan. It's a big market team, you know, makes a lot of sense. A lot of my friends are Steelers fans. Uh, a couple friends are Patriots fans because, you know, our whole lives, they've been really good. I gravitated towards the Buccaneers, unfortunately, uh, up until two years ago when they won the Super Bowl <laughs> right, um, right. because of how good their defense was when I was a kid playing Madden and, you know, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, all those guys. I kind of gravitated towards those teams um, from when I was really young. So uh, that, that's kind of how I became a Buccaneers fan. Unfortunately for me, there was not a whole lot of winning after that. And I had to suffer through the Josh Freemans and Jameis Winstons of the world until uh, number 12 decided to come, you know, win us a Super Bowl. Did, um, did anybody give you flack for that and say like, oh, you're just a fan because Tom Brady and because they won a Super Bowl and everything else? Oh, yeah. I got a lot of, <laughs> you know, bandwagon accusations and, you know, fair weather fan type of shit. I'm like, nah, I was I was here for the for the dark days of, you know, Josh Freeman and and those type of quarterbacks. Talking about the home league that you were referencing earlier, um, and that you've won that multiple numerous times. Um, are you so you're still in that league? Yeah, yeah. It's my you know everybody's got their favorite league. It's my it's my favorite league. Just the standard you know one quarterback redraft. Like it's just the classic classic rules. I, I obviously with uh, FSE we dive into you know dynasty and all that kind of stuff all the time. But uh, that redraft league is still the one that I care about the most. It is also financially the most money to win of any of the leagues that I that I play in. I mean, that that always uh, makes that league go to the front of your uh, list of favorites. Um, so redraft, I mean, that's the first thing that you got into. How did you come about finding fantasy football in the first place? I would say just my friends were, were playing it before I was and the league, the commissioner of the league that I'm in now, that is my, you know, my home league or whatever. He invited me to the league, you know, a while ago. And then I eventually you know, got a little serious into it. The league started growing. It got more competitive. And then it, that's just basically how I gravitated towards fantasy to begin with. I always liked football. I was always a Buccaneers fan, but I was more of like a casual than a, a guy that was like a diehard. But now, like, I mean, I, I spend, you know, 10, 12 hours a day doing fantasy football stuff. And then I'll relax by watching a fantasy or like a football documentary. Like I'm a complete degenerate at this point. And did you ever think that that would be the case growing up that you'd be so involved in something like that? I always knew I wanted to be in sports in some way, but I didn't necessarily know how. Um, when I was actually in elementary school, I used to, um, I never used to raise my hand and it used to piss my teachers off. I used to just speak out. And uh, my grade, my eighth grade teacher actually used to call me Ron uh, because uh, Ron McLean is a popular Canadian uh, hockey announcer and he's like a commentator. And he used to, my teacher used to say that I used to commentate on everything because I was never raising my hand or whatever. So it's kind of funny that now that like my job is to, you know, talk sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it is, that's a fun story, a fun little background story, talking sports and getting involved in putting out actual content in the fantasy space. When did you determine that was something you wanted to do? I would say when I was like 2016, 2017, I was really getting heavily invested in fantasy football and I started watching, you know, other people's content um, you know, Mike Taglier, God rest his soul, a couple other guys that were making content in the, in the space. And I thought, you know, I, I think I can do this. Like, I think I have enough knowledge of fantasy football 
to be able to do this. And obviously at the time I, I probably know, you know, 20% of how to make content relative to what I know now. But even at the time I thought this was something I was, I was capable of doing. And I thought there was, I'd be listening to podcasts and I think they'd be missing points and, you know, certain uh, connections that I would make based on whatever they were talking about. And I was like, Hey, if I'm able to do this, listening to other people's content, I think I should be, you know, successful in making my own. And putting out content is kind of scary at first, especially if you've never done it before. Do you have any sort of background in putting out any kind of content prior to deciding to do fantasy football work? Uh, aside from like just doing like, um, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a weird connection to make, but like I always was good at school presentations, like uh, in, in, you know, high school and college and stuff. So I was used to just, you know, talking in front of people and stuff. So it wasn't all that, that part of it wasn't all that scary for me. The The part that was scary for me was you know the growth aspect of it and you know how are people gonna you know like this and stuff because i knew you know from the second i put out my first video that i eventually wanted to make this my career it wasn't something that you know came out of nowhere i wanted to eventually do this whether it was fantasy football football in general i just you know i know what football is the thing i love most in the world and i eventually wanted to make it my career so for me the 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 nerve-wracking part was making sure that people enjoyed it and making sure that i enjoyed making it and putting out the content for the first time, how did you figure out how to go about doing that? Well, so me and a couple guys started uh, the Fantasy Stock Exchange, which is the you know our YouTube channel, and uh, it's now just me and Danny. Uh, at the time, it was you know me um, and two other guys, and then Danny, and we all wanted to try and start making content. We had been listening to content creators; we were all knowledgeable about football. The other guys weren't necessarily as invested as we were, so they were more so kind of. Uh, there for the beginning stages and then eventually it just became me and him but all of us were kind of focused on just um, replicating I would say the success of others that made it in the industry uh, you know a couple of the the people that everyone knows about fantasy footballers Nick Ercolano all those guys that have been you know successful in the fantasy space before us and that's at the time that's what we thought we had to do over time we kind of realized that you have to kind of you know find your own lane and stuff like that but that's basically what you know, got us into starting to make content was we saw the the trajectory that a lot of these guys took and we thought that we could, you know, replicate it. And what was something that you can remember talking about or, or you know, diving more into when you first started something that you thought was missing from the space? I think the biggest thing for me, I would say if anybody listening to this is like making content or, or wants a piece of advice, I would say like adding value and engagement is the sole purpose of what any content creator who is just starting out should be looking to do. Because the thing that I've realized now that we've started to grow quite a bit is that you can't necessarily get to everybody's comments, everybody's questions, the bigger your audience gets. So early on when you're coming up, you need to reward the people that are helping you out and grow, right? Because we have loyal listeners of ours that have been there since we were at, you know, two, 300 subscribers on YouTube. And now we're, you know, closing in on 11,000 right now. So you need to be there for those people and pay attention to the detail that you're giving them, right? Because I think most people get caught up in, in, uh, the, the less important factors of what makes their content good. For me, what makes, I think what makes our content good is uh, paying attention to those details. So making sure that you have a set structure for whatever show that you're talking about, making sure that you have timestamps in all your video, making sure that your thumbnail looks good and looks, you know, um, attention grabbing and your title is very good and the tags and SEO and all that kind of stuff. I think that was alert, like a big time learning process for us as we started to, to grow and get bigger. 
But I think if anybody out there was looking for a piece of advice, it's like details, 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 and also engage as much as you can. Like we still probably answer nearly every comment, Twitter, DM, whatever that we get. And I, I, I typically see too, like I've seen other, you know, maybe bigger content creators than us complain about having as many questions and comments that they have to get to. But I mean, if I didn't want to answer fantasy questions, I wouldn't be giving, you know, fantasy advice. Right. No, I totally feel you on that. And I think that is important. Um, as a fan, uh, we really enjoy when we're able to communicate with, you know, this guy or that guy or that gal and, and get the comments back and the, the information that we're looking for. So it's really cool. And we don't feel ignored, which is the most important thing. So yeah, I totally feel you there. Um, and you did bring up uh, the point of like having the timestamps and everything. And that was something I was actually going to bring up with you because I watched your videos, started really watching your videos as of late. And that was one of the first things that I noticed was the timestamps and how awesome that is. And not enough people do that. And, uh, you know, if, especially if you don't have a lot of time and you're just kind of on the go, it's, you know, if you have to. Um, but, I, I, you know, I watch them all. So it's okay. um, but <laughs> um, so the importance of that and doing it that way. Um, is there anything else that uh, you wish somebody would have told you when you first started putting out content that it was like, like something that is like a golden rule for you now when it comes to podcasting? Um, I would say that I, at first I didn't know how this was going to go, but I think, I, um, you know, kudos to the 21 year old me or whatever, when I first started making content, I knew it was going to take a while before we were able to make money off of it before we were able to um, you know, think about it as a potential career path. And I think the biggest mistake that I see from a lot of people is trying to, you know, charge for their content right away or trying to charge for their personal advice right away. Mm -hmm. What I always say to uh, Danny when we're talking, you know, off camera is that like, you need to win these people a fantasy championship before they actually trust you. Right. And that you can't make, you know, you, you shouldn't be looking to make money off of them until you have an established audience. And even then I'm still, you know, willing to give pretty much everything away for free. And the people that have, you know, rewarded you with their attention, with their engagement, they'll eventually, you know, kind of pay it, you know, pay it forward or pay it back to you um, in the ways that you help them with all that free advice over the last, you know, year or two, wherever, however long they've been following you. So that was something that I, I definitely would hammer home to my, you know, 21 year old self when we first started the channel. But uh, I, I, I think, that's something that we've been able to do pretty successfully. And and you're pretty young in the space. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, different age groups and a, a lot of different people that are in the space. So coming into it, um, like this new wave of younger people that are putting out content and doing things differently. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see. How did you fall into the, the, Facebook, Twitter, or not Facebook, Twitter. Who uses Facebook? The the Twitter, Twitter. How'd you find out fantasy Twitter? Um, Kind of just, you know, through the ways of following my own personal podcast and content creators when I first, when before I even started making content, I followed, you know, all the guys, you know, the fantasy pros guys, fantasy footballers guys, you know, BDG guys. I just followed all of them on Twitter and you know, I started to engage with them. And then, you know, eventually people started to follow me because I was offering good opinions. And then I just started tweeting stuff out. And um, for me, fantasy Twitter has kind of always been a place to like network with other people. I think a lot of people get themselves into a dangerous kind of rut of thinking that's where they need to provide all their content to where mm -hmm. I believe that, you know, as far as like specific platforms go, 
YouTube and TikTok are the premier platforms to put content onto because that's where the eyes are. And that's where the the algorithms of those two sites will promote good content, right? If you like a bunch of YouTube, if your YouTube videos get a bunch of likes, even though you don't have, you know, a lot of views on them, they'll eventually get recommended to other people. If your YouTube videos are very good, people will be inclined to subscribe to them. And same goes, you know, for TikTok or whatever. So as far as fantasy Twitter is concerned, I pretty much just use it to engage with other content creators. That's pretty much all I use it for. That's an awesome way to go about it too. Uh, Cause like you said, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Um, but with YouTube, because that's very intriguing to me, I, I record all these videos, but I haven't actually put any out onto YouTube yet. Um, for somebody who's wanting to put a YouTube channel together and just doesn't know where to start, they're a little nervous, a little, you know, a little bit of anxiety. Uh, what would you suggest they do to kind of get over that or to kind of get used to it? It's funny you actually bring that up because I actually did consider offering like a YouTube tutorial on how to like, if, if other fantasy content creators wanted to like, you know, throw me a couple bucks to show them the ropes on how to properly put up YouTube videos, how to, you know, make a good thumbnail, how to make, you know, the tags good for SEO purposes, how to structure your title, how to, you know, put timestamps in all that kind of stuff. I think, like I said, at the beginning, uh, it, the, you know, the, proof is kind of in the details, right? The more mm -hmm. detail that you put into something, the better it's going to look. And even if, you know, a lot of people aren't listening to it right away, because YouTube is like that, you, you got to establish yourself in the algorithm before they'll trust your content to, you know, promote to other people, because that's how their uh, algorithm is structured. I would say that is probably the biggest thing. So um, doing research and adding as many like tangible skills to how to produce content on YouTube would be my first, you know, piece of advice, learn how to edit videos, learn how to you know, properly structure SEO and tags and, you know, make thumbnails and all that kind of stuff. And growing an audience is something that I know a lot of people are, you know, also worried about. Um, how do I get eyes on my stuff? How do I get ears listening to my stuff? What kind of advice do you have for people who are trying to spread the word about? I, I mean, I know you've touched on some of the stuff, but is there anything big that people can do to kind of get their content out there to the masses? Yeah, so... Like, I mean, it kind of goes back to the TikTok and YouTube thing, because if you produce good content, those sites will reward you by showing your content to other people. And that's assuming, you know, your tags are all good, thumbnails good, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say probably like the biggest thing in that area would be just focusing on quality over quantity. And I would say also a trend that I've noticed lately is um, being concise is really, really goes a long way. I know that a lot of you know, people, when they first think of podcasts, fantasy podcasts, they think of, you know, a big podcast like the fantasy footballers, which is a long form, you know, hour, hour and 20 minute long podcast. But on YouTube or on TikTok, especially those type of long form things don't necessarily perform well when you're a small content creator. You can get away with that when you're as big as the fantasy footballers, because people are used and accustomed to listening to a long podcast with them. But when you're a, a new content creator, I think putting out I would rather put out, you know, 10 five minute videos than one like 50 minute long podcast or something like that. Right. Like, I think it's probably way more time, like, um, uh, efficient to do something like that because the, the YouTube algorithm does reward, you know, shorter form content. I think just, you know, probably a side conversation, but like just people's attention spans nowadays with sites like TikToks. I just don't totally think just they, wrote that. Down. Yeah. I just <laughs> don't think people have the the bandwidth to be able to listen to a two hour. Like, cause I I've seen t plenty of people put out like two hour long mm -hmm. YouTube videos and it's just, I, I just don't 
I, I personally would not watch something like that. I like, you know, making short form content. A lot of my solo videos, my number one goal is to keep it under 20 minutes. And when me and like, I, I think me and Danny, the thing we talk about most is how short we're going to try and make a video. We just recorded one today that we put out that we were able to keep to about 40 minutes. And that is like a perfect, I think, um, you know, number to shoot for if it's a, a dual, you know, podcast or a, a duo type of video versus when it's a solo video, I'm trying to keep it under 20 minutes. So bringing up solo versus having a co-host with you, um, how do you have to go into things differently when you're doing it by yourself versus having somebody that you can kind of feed off of? Yeah. So when I do solo videos, I would say that like my biggest thing is making sure that my thoughts are organized more because I don't have time to think about what I'm going to say next. Right. I have to kind of organize my thoughts and I use, you know, a show sheet where I, you know, write, you know, prompts for myself to, to make sense of and, and know what direction to go with a, a point next. So that's something that's really big for me. And I mean, it also takes a lot of practice too, because I was not very good with solo videos when I first started them. Um, I was, you know, stumbling on my words all the time and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I still stumble all the time too. Now, the only difference is I actually, you know, uh, edit my solo videos like in depth and edit stuff out, even, even stuff that I don't stumble over. If I like just repeat myself twice or, you know, go over a point that I already kind of made, I'll just cut that stuff out and try and make it as clear and concise as possible. So for solo stuff, especially, I would say the the more concise you can make it, the more to the point you can make something and the more organized you can be, uh, probably the better it is for for the the viewer or the listener. Yeah. And, and you know, you listen to shows where you have a co-host, um, just any of the shows that have multiple people on and you can kind of get a feeling of you know what kind of show this is going to be and what kind of you know co-hosts they're going to be and sometimes you can feel when they're not clicking so how do you make sure that you and your co-host are kind of on the same page when it comes putting out content that's a good question i thankfully i don't think i've had to worry about that because i think me and danny just philosophically think about fantasy the same way and we also um you know, we're both around the same age. So we kind of are easy to get along with that way. We're both pretty easy going. So I would say making sure you have the right co-host would make, would kind of make some sense there. Uh, and then obviously maybe, maybe I'm, you know, overrating how much chemistry we have now. Cause maybe we were terrible when we first started, we just didn't notice. Um, so, uh, you know, again, kind of practicing being on camera is also a big part of that because we probably weren't very good when we first started out. None of us are. None of us are. I'm still trying to learn and I, I don't do the whole editing out very, very often. So I do sound like a person that stumbles over way too many words. But um, when you go guest on other people's podcast, um, how was that experience for you? And how was that like the first time somebody asked you to come on their podcast? Yeah, I think for the most part, people ask you that because they, you know, respect your content or they, you know, want you to come on. And for me, it's pretty much about building personal connections. Like I said, it's kind of why I use fantasy Twitter is if anybody wants me to come on their podcast, like, you know, you reached out to me. I've been on mm -hmm. a number of other ones that uh, have reached out to me to come on. And I think it's, again, more so kind of falling in line with whatever their podcast, you know, does. They usually every podcast I've been on, they've had a set structure of some kind. Um, you know, sans this one, which is just like a basic interview. So um, it's pretty, it's pretty cool for me to go on podcasts. It's not something that I do as much as maybe I should, but um, I, I really, I really enjoy it. Sorry. What, if you want to repeat the question, sorry. I'm well, it was just the very first time somebody had ever asked you to come on uh, podcasting and, and come on to their own podcast. Like what, what was the experience going into that exactly like? 
uh, yeah, the first time actually, I think I was, uh, it was on, uh, Sky Guasco's TCK pod. Um, he had worked with us a couple times and, uh, we had contributed some like articles for his site. So that was pretty straightforward. We were just, you know, going on a podcast of a guy that we already knew. And, uh, that was, yeah, again, like I said, pretty straightforward. Um, my experience was kind of just, it's just talking football. That's, that's kind of my experience. I, I don't really have any huge takeaways from that. <laughs> well, I mean, and but that's the best kind of thing, not having to go into it nervous, being able to talk with friends about something that you guys all enjoy. So that's, that's super awesome. And um, writing, since we've, you've brought that up a few times with the writing thing, um, do you, in, are you an avid writer? Do you enjoy writing uh, or how does that go with you? Yeah. So when we first um, started, we used to sell draft guides and um, we would sell draft guides with, you know, for dynasty purposes, we'd like write up the players, uh, the prospects, all the rookies and stuff like that. I really enjoy writing. Um, it's something that I think, unfortunately, is is kind of a dying uh, breed in the fantasy space because probably another attention span related thing. But Definitely, unless yeah. you're on an established platform already like uh you know the athletic or something like that where people are used to consuming written content it is very hard to make it as a writer and you know if your goal is to get a career in fantasy football like i think it's it's the hardest avenue to try and do something like that um i still like writing we still write stuff for our patreon we still write stuff um during the season i wrote dfs articles for draft sharks i'll probably see if i can secure some kind of uh writing gig during the season this year as well um, so I enjoy writing. It's something I like doing, you know, as a change of pace once a week or something like that, or two times a week, but it's not something I'm, uh, overly focused on video content for me takes, you know, precedent. And I get that. And, and it's the same thing with the attention span thing as well, because I like to skim articles. I don't always read them all the way through. So I, I totally get that. Um, when you, when you, See, here's me stumbling over my words, but <laughs> no, I see. Um, no, but what I want to know about podcasting, because I want to go back to like putting out video content and everything, because it really does intrigue me. And I'm sure it intrigues more people because it's the future. It's the now. It's everything. TikTok is um, something that also intrigues me. And older people like myself, we're not the biggest TikTok, you know, users or anything like that. But why is TikTok blowing up the way it is? I know the 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 attention span, the the short sweet, get it to me, you know, right now I need that information. But like, why is TikTok the place to be? TikTok is, I would say, less saturated than YouTube as far as fantasy content is concerned. Um, for me, my personal struggle with TikTok is that I like to go in depth on things. So it's hard for me to make, um, a three minute video or a two minute video or a one minute video, mm -hmm. um, and actually provide some kind of, you know, value to the, to the audience or to the consumer. So I do prefer to stick most of my stuff on YouTube and I'll upload some clips to TikTok from a YouTube video, um, with the hopeful effort that they come from TikTok to YouTube and just watch the video on YouTube because that's where we've established ourselves in the algorithm. We're not established on TikTok. So um, if anybody was trying to get into the fantasy space, I would say TikTok would be the place I would start if it was, you know, if you erased my entire YouTube channel, I had to start from square one. TikTok would be where I would start most likely, because I do think that's where the eyes are. They don't really know where to go right now. There's people on you on TikTok. Uh, most of the big fantasy accounts and all that kind of stuff have TikTok accounts. But I, I think there's a lot of meat left on the bone as far as like what you can do with TikTok. And how you can, you know, it, TikTok is kind of like engagement farm central right now. I think you can actually still provide pretty solid analysis on TikTok if you do it right. But the hard part 
is keeping things concise enough that it, it fits the platform. Right. Yeah. But you know, um, that's a great idea though, with, with the whole going into TikTok thing, because I, I have interviewed people who use TikTok and, and I go over there and see how many followers they have. It's crazy to look at like how many followers you guys have over there on YouTube. And like you said, almost 11,000, like, how does that feel to see that you have that many people who care about what you have to say? It's a pretty cool feeling, honestly. Like I know when, so the kind of like backstory with how our, our YouTube growth kind of spiked, we had about, I think it was like 300 or 400 subscribers um, in the summer of 2020. So right around the, you know, when we didn't know if the season was going to happen, there was all the COVID stuff yeah. that was happening. And I put out a video on my birthday, uh, which, which is like Labor Day weekend, which is when my birthday is. And I put out a video of my top five sleepers for the 2020 season. And the video blew up for nearly 50,000 views. Um, and we were a rinky dink little fantasy 300 subscriber channel. So that's, you know, catapulted us over a thousand subscribers, which is the threshold you need to monetize your YouTube videos. And then throughout the season, we were able to kind of build that up to 2000. And then next, like last off season, we really catapulted ourselves from a, from a redraft only channel. Cause that's how people found us to uh, more of a dynasty channel. And then, you know, thankfully uh, the series that we run dynasty decisions, we've run, I don't know, 45 episodes of it, 44 episodes of it. Now it's really, really catapulted our dynasty audience, which is definitely, you know, good news for us because that keeps us relevant all year. And how do you like with dynasty, it's such a different beast than, than redraft is and, and DFS, like you had brought up earlier and everything else, but it's also such a central Thing right now for everybody in the fantasy space people love playing dynasty what is the appeal of dynasty over redraft to to people right now I, I think for me it's the it's the fun of knowing that i can stay relevant all year like for fantasy like because i don't have to i don't want to stop talking about football once january hits and the season is done i want to talk about football all year long and as a bucks fan up until two years ago my team stunk every year and i was used to following the nfl draft anyway so um, following the draft prospects from a fantasy perspective is something that I think, I mean, I know myself personally, I've gotten a lot better at evaluating these prospects. Like two years ago, I had Henry Ruggs as my wide receiver one. Like it was just, I just did not know what the fuck I was doing. So um, I've refined my process a lot more in that aspect. And this off season, I ran the tail, the tape series where I broke down all of uh, the prospects like film and all their analytics and stuff. And I think that was a ton of fun for me to make. So the appeal to dynasty for me is really just the the year round aspect of it. And the fact that it has become such a bigger thing now to the point that um, a lot of people are, are fully, fully invested in football year round. Like I would be anyway, because even if, even if dynasty didn't exist and I didn't play dynasty, I would still be watching, you know, football documentaries in the middle of March. <laughs> Do you have a favorite football documentary that you've watched? I mean, I've literally watched everything. Uh, if you go on <laughs> NFL Game Pass and you look up all the uh, football lives, all of the top tens, all of the caught in the drafts, I have literally watched everything and some of them multiple times. So, um, yeah, I don't have a preference. Whenever they drop a new thing on mm -hmm. uh, on NFL Game Pass, I watch it. Like that's how it works. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, watching football with you, how is it to sit down and watch a football game with you? Um, is are the Bucks playing or is it just a regular game? Okay, let's say you're watching the Bucks. How is it when we're watching the team that you enjoy watching? Um, I'm going to be a little insufferable, if I'm being honest, especially when Tom Brady's on the field. So, um, you know, two, three years ago, I'd probably be like down in the dumps, like, freaking Jameis threw another pick again. Like, <laughs> God damn it. 
Um, right. but watching with Tom Brady as my quarterback, like during the playoff run where we won the Super Bowl, I was probably insufferable to watch football games with. <laughs> well, I mean, I watch, uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so it's been, <laughs> it's a little crazy around here as well. Um, but okay. So putting out content, how do you come up with the ideas for like what you want to put out in a show on a, you know, given day? Honestly, I, I They just come to me. I don't have like a process for it. I try and I think another, you know, thing that's made us, you know, semi like pretty successful on YouTube is that we try and do different things because, we the the path that you know the fantasy footballers took to become a a big you know huge podcast and one of the probably the biggest fantasy football content that you can consume in this space you can't take that path anymore you can't you know use their lingo and you know uh, write the same podcast type of formats and all that stuff because that that's already been done if why would somebody watch me if they can go watch the same thing on the fantasy footballers so as far as like ideas are concerned i try and as much as possible, do things that I don't see anybody else doing. Um, and also try and kind of link it back to what I would like to consume as well. Um, so a lot of the time, uh, you like somebody in our audience will comment something and they'll, they'll be like, Hey, have you ever thought about it this way? And that maybe it's not even specifically what they ask, but that'll spark like an idea in me and uh, I'll kind of like go over it that way. So um, for the most part, it's just kind of inspiration that, that leads me to like ideas, whether it's somebody's comments or, you know, maybe something I saw on Twitter that day, which is also another you know thing I get from Twitter a lot is if I see a narrative flying on Twitter or like a player is getting popular uh, because everybody's either saying he's a sell or saying he's a buy or whatever. Sometimes I make, you know, videos on something like that where it's, you know, kind of top of mind for a lot of people. That is super awesome to hear you say that and and to get ideas for me personally, I have a hard time with that. So it, it, it's interesting to get inspired by other things. Um, when you are putting out the content and you're, you know, thinking of these ideas and everything, have you ever had an idea or, or something that you put out that didn't hit the way that you thought it would? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All <laughs> the time. I, I have some of my favorite videos, like have been like, like, um, you know, clunkers, they, they, they get no views then nobody seemed to be that interested in them. Um, but it's, I mean, it's part of the process. I've also had videos where I've, you know, I finished recording it. I'm like, I don't know if that was that good. And then it like pops off for a bunch of views. So <laughs> uh, I think that's just kind of the nature of the beast. You don't know what people are going to gravitate towards. I try and uh, another kind of thing that I would say too, is, is staying up with like current, you know, whatever's happening on the NFL calendar is also a big part of the type of content that usually hits because if the NFL combines going down right now, then talking about the NFL combine is going to get views. And you know, vice versa. If the preseason games are going on uh, this past summer, I did a whole video breaking down all the relevant fantasy usage from preseason games. Right. Because people want to know, like, was DeAndre Swift the first team running back for the Lions or was it Jamal Williams? Like everybody wants to know that. Right. So um, guys like Dwayne McFarland, who works for PFF, he does a good job of like just breaking that information down. So all I'm really doing is regurg is regurgitating whatever Dwayne McFarland said. And people seem to like it because it's organized in a way that is, you know, um, digestible for them. Again, with the digestible, it's awesome uh, to hear. And, you know, I took a break from listening to other people's content for a while just because like life gets hectic and you don't have the time. But now that I have the time, getting to sit down and listen to what you present and what you say, how the way that you say everything comes out so eloquently, comes out so perfectly. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, when you speak, I can understand what you're saying. Uh, and some people have an issue with that and they can't explain it where people will understand. So how do you make sure that the content that you're putting out is something that 
everybody can kind of grasp a hold of. Well, yeah, it kind of goes back to number like there's like a bunch of different factors that kind of play into it. Number one, getting better on camera, because if you're not speaking eloquently, you're probably nervous or you like don't know how uh, to get your point across properly. So getting better on camera just comes with practice for the most part. And also, I mean, this could sound a little narcissistic, but I watch all of my videos because I want to it's like studying tape, right? You want to see if you're doing a good job. You want to see if it's digestible. I, I don't necessarily do it all the time anymore but when i was first starting out i did watch every single video of ours um to make sure that i was you know doing things right and it was understandable um number two would be make sure your content whatever you're trying to get whatever point you're trying to get across is organized because if you're talking in circles or if you're not really getting to the point people will lose interest fast and you know back to the attention spans stuff that we were talking about so <laughs> um i think the best there's some people on fantasy twitter and you know youtube that provide really really valuable content but i feel like they don't necessarily know how to communicate it to Ooh. either the casual fantasy player or even the expert fantasy players they you know build these big models with metrics and all that kind of stuff but i mean that stuff's really just kind of anecdotal if you can't explain it to a casual fantasy player in a way that they understand so that's again one of the probably the biggest compliment that we that i get personally all the time is that i, I do a good job of explaining things so um, that's something that I've, you know, tried to make sure that I'm always doing. If I have like a complicated subject that I got to talk about, I, I spend two to three to four hours planning how I'm going to break it down. And do you have people that are like, Hey, you know, I used the advice that you gave me and, uh, made a trade, let's say, or I drafted this guy. And when they do say that, cause I'm sure they do, I've told you that, you know, I've taken some of your, your advice, but when they say that to you, how does that make you feel knowing that people are listening to what you have to say? They're taking your advice. It's working out for them. And like you said, winning a championship, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, the whole like central idea of why I make content is I'm really just sharing my own research. Like I'd probably be doing this anyway, even if I wasn't making content. So um, I'm not necessarily like, I think part of the thing that people miss when they're making content is that fantasy players nowadays are smart. They know what the hell they're talking about. You're not the only person. They didn't fall off the back of a you know potato truck and listen to their first fantasy football podcast. For the most part, there's definitely still people that are newer to fantasy, but most fantasy football players, are educated on what player what matters for fantasy what players are are good and you know all that kind of stuff so talking down to them or telling them that you know maybe they don't necessarily know what you're like you know something that they don't is never a good strategy i'm kind of just sharing my own research and i have skin in the game to prove it too like all the like i missed he like heavily on brandon iuk last year like he was a guy that i was really really into from a redraft perspective and obviously for the first you know six to seven games of the season he was virtually useless because of Kyle Shanahan. So um, having that skin in the game and having the ability to kind of, you know, go back and reevaluate um, and have people. And I, I don't know if this is just our channel because I know what happens probably for other people. But I think when you explain your process and people understand how you got to a certain conclusion, they're less likely to say, screw you. You told me to draft Brandon Ayuk and he stunk. Yeah. Like it's most likely they respect your process. They understand how you got there and they can then make the decision. I'm going to draft Brandon Ayuk or I'm not. It's right. not up to me. It's their fantasy team, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can't, I can only advise them who I'm drafting. And that's the best kind of analyst or content creator is somebody that'll, you know, tell you the reason why. And then that way you can make your own informed decision based off of that. Super awesome. Super, super appreciate that because it's hard to find. So, um, I see the background. If people watch your videos, they know uh, that you have a bunch of jerseys back there. Um, is there any significance? Um, 
for any of those jerseys that you have on display? I mean, I got Rondé is my favorite buck of all time. So Rondé Barber above me, above my left shoulder is my favorite Buccaneer of all time. Um, it is a absolute travesty that he's not in the Hall of Fame right now. He should have been in before John Lynch, who got in this year. Uh, Tom Brady, obviously, he's like on the side there. He's Tom Brady and he's a Buccaneer. So <laughs> I'm just excited to have him on the team. Mike Evans, the best Buccaneer that I saw his entire career of because I'm a little younger. I didn't get to see early career Rondes and, you know, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and stuff. So to me, to me, he's like the Buccaneer of my generation. Um, and he's also better be in the Hall of Fame someday. Uh, the <laughs> football that's above me is signed by Devin White, who had one of the best historical postseason runs I've ever seen from a linebacker, uh, sealed the Super Bowl win with an interception, um, stiff-armed the living hell out of a New Orleans <laughs> Saint, which made me jump out of my goddamn seat when he did it in that divisional round playoff game. I hate the Saints with every fiber of my being. Um, then Lawrence Taylor, greatest defensive player of all time. Joe Namath, the greatest character in NFL history, bar none. He's the reason. I, I think Joe, Joe Namath to me is just like one of my favorite football personalities of all time. I'm like a closet Jets fan because <laughs> of Joe Namath and also because they keep drafting all of my favorite prospects because yeah. I loved Zach Wilson. I loved uh, Elijah Moore. I loved Michael Carter and I loved Garrett Wilson. So they're just, they just keep drafting my players. So I'm like a closet Jets fan now. Um, and then I got a Calvin Ridley signed Jersey there just cause, cause I liked Alabama uh, when he was working, uh, when he was playing there. Um, they got an OJ Howard Jersey that's on the desk there. Um, when he played at Alabama, Cam Chancellor is just a badass. So I have him. And then I signed <laughs> OBJ uh, picture there with uh, him making the famous catch against the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. The famous catch against the Cowboys. I remember that all too well. So, um, so that's, that's super awesome. Is there a Jersey that you don't or a football signed autographed, anything that you don't have that you wish you could add to your collection? Oh, um, I've always, I, so Mike Evans is the offensive player I relate to of the bucks the most. Cause he's like my generation. And I mean, the most underrated player of this generation is Levante David on the defensive side. So I don't have any Levante David stuff, which is kind of, you know, blasphemous knowing that I have a, a linebacker that's been on the team three years before I got something of Levante David's. Um, so I love, I love Levante David too. I would love to get something of his. I also love, I, I love characters in general. So I love Deion Sanders too. When I want, anytime I watch any old, you know, documentaries and stuff, I just, I love Deion Sanders. So I definitely want to get like a dirty birds Falcons, Deion Sanders Jersey or something like that. Pretty rad, pretty rad. I, um, you brought up uh, how you your hatred towards the Saints. So when Jameis went to the Saints, how how, how was that? <laughs> it's an internal like... battle each and every day because I still love Jameis Winston. Yeah. I, if we didn't t sign Tom Brady, if Tom Brady was not an option, I wanted Jameis Winston back. So yeah. Jameis being on the Saints kind of stinks because I can't stand every, mostly all the players on the Saints: Cameron Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore. <laughs> Michael Thomas, I hate like I hate them all. And Jameis Winston is kind of a likable guy because of like him doing crutch dances in the in the locker room after like they <laughs> he tore his ACL or whatever. So I would love Jameis Winston to go to a different team so that I can actually root for the guy. Um, but I still I, I still want to see Jameis be successful. I, I at one point in time for five years I made excuses for this guy every interception that he threw for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So um, <laughs> I wish he didn't play for the Saints, but I still like Jameis. Yeah, I mean, sometimes good players that you like go to teams that you're not a big fan of. It happens to me all the time. I'm like, dang it, now now what do I do? I'm <laughs> so totally feel you there. Um, yes, you have a favorite team and everything, but being in fantasy football, obviously you become fans of players as well. Are there any players that stand out right at the moment that you haven't already talked about that are guys that you just are a fan of from whatever? 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of talked about Elijah. I loved Elijah Moore coming out. He was one of my favorite prospects in that class. Um, so I, I just love Elijah Moore. I also um, probably am one of the only, like this was, I, I thought I was smarter than everyone back in 2019 because I was like the only person that was on Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And Terry McLaurin was obviously like a third round pick. Nobody, he didn't have a lot of production in college. So nobody was on him, but I actually had him uh, higher than Nikhil Harry, who was the consensus like wide receiver one in the class for most dynasty people. So um, I really like Terry McLaurin as well. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I just love. I, I loved watching Saquon Barkley in college too. So I just, I have like a, affinity for Saquon as well do are you a fan of trading I am a degenerate (laughs) of trading me and Danny make more trades than probably any other like combo duo of like a podcast ever like me and Danny if we're in a startup we're walking out of there with like at least you know 15 to 20 trades between the two of us at least wow (laughs) how do you uh become a master of trading as you will it, it, it's funny you bring that up because I think that is probably the best thing I am like the, the skill that I'm best at in fantasy football is trading. And especially in like redraft mm-hmm. leagues where mm-hmm. trading matters, like obviously in the short term, cause you're trying to win a championship that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the reason why we named the channel, the fantasy stock exchange is because the players behave like assets on a stock market when they have bad weeks and when they have, you know, certain news items that are going against them or whatever. And that's when you want to, you know, just like you would on a stock market, like buy low on certain players. So when we can see objectively that, you know, T Higgins, for example, because during the season, there was a drought of him not scoring a touchdown, but he was still getting targets. He was still on the field running routes and he was still getting open. He just wasn't scoring a touchdown in those games. You could see that that's like a pretty clear buy low opportunity where the fantasy manager that has T Higgins is viewing him as like 80% of what his value actually is. And then as soon as he started scoring touchdowns again, people realized, dude, this is a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy. <laughs> See, yeah. I mean, I wish I could be confident in trading, but I'm still trying. But, uh, you know, it is an art. And it's it's great to hear, you know, you talk about it. that Because I, I'm starting to really like trading. How do you get more people involved in trading who, you know, are kind of scared or they don't want to put something out there and be laughed at or they don't, you know. I would say like part of the thing with trading, it's like, it's like if you ever gone to the casino and you've like crapped out immediately, you're like, I hate the casino. I've never done well here. But if you pull off a trade and it works out like tremendously in your favor, um, the first season that I won that trophy behind me, I traded away um, Antonio Gibson coming off of a big week and Joe Mixon coming off of a big week for Alvin Kamara, who eventually scored six touchdowns on Christmas to win me a, cha- a fantasy oh. championship. <laughs> And I also got uh, Brandon Ayuk and T Higgins in that trade who were rookies at the time, but were very productive uh, wide receiver two, wide receiver three types. So um, I was able to turn, you know, a good Joe Mixon game who eventually didn't, he didn't play another game for the rest of the season after that, after that game. And uh, Gibson was, you know, it hurt to let him go because he was a promising rookie running back at the time. But um, I think that's part of the, the, the give and take with trading is that, you know, you want to also make it so that the opposing manager knows that they're getting a good asset but you also want to make it so that you might be getting the better asset. And also, since we're talking about leagues and I, I know that the content that you put out uh, today is about, you know, rebuilding a, a redraft or not a redraft, a dynasty team. And how do you know when it's time to just, it's time to rebuild your team? Well, so I mean, the premise of that entire video was that <laughs> this is the best time to rebuild the dynasty team because our philosophy around rebuilding 
is that the la- the reason you know, the way you know that you're done rebuilding because I think you know people on fantasy Twitter get um, discombobulated and thinking they're like, well, are these guys just rebuilding every single year? Do they ever try and win a championship? <laughs> the reason, the way you know that you're done rebuilding is when your running backs are in their primes, and by their primes, um, I mean their second, third, and fourth seasons in the NFL. So to rebuild the the re- the way you would know when you need to rebuild is when you have an aging running back core. That would be the way you know. So guys like I put out a video series titled like sell these running backs now before you're caught holding the bag on guys like Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and all the guys that are starting to get up there in age at the running back position, because I think rebuilding specifically this season, like this draft uh, offseason is really smart because we're going to get some generational running back prospects in the next couple draft classes. Hook them horns. I'm also a Texas fan. Uh, B. John Robinson's coming out next year and you know Jameer Gibbs and all these guys that are coming out Travion Henderson Braylon Allen in the next couple years so um I think rebuilding is probably the smartest um you know way go uh way to go about dynasty this offseason specifically cool (laughs) I'm gonna take that advice because I'm pretty sure all my running backs are pretty up in age uh (laughs) um so going you brought up uh college football uh, college right. football is obviously kind of goes hand in hand when it comes to dynasty. You need to know a little bit, at least. Um, how did you uh, become more interested in college football players? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I used to watch Texas because Vince Young and, you know, all those guys were, you know, they were just fun to watch at, at Texas. Um, I kind of just like watched college football because my team was terrible. Um, the Bucks sucked and they were always picking high in the draft. So I watched college football to see how the prospects would be coming out and they never drafted who I wanted them to draft, (laughs) but I always, um, you know, just wanted to learn about the draft. I actually probably started following the draft first before I got really heavily into fantasy because I just wanted the bucks to do well and they never did. (laughs) So until Tom Brady (laughs) got there. So, um, I want to kind of touch on something to do with putting out content that I've brought up with a lot of people on here, which is people that get burned out when they're putting out content and all of that stuff, uh, you seem genuinely like genuinely like it's not a, not a hassle for you to put out content, which is awesome to see, but how do you make sure that you keep yourself grounded and you don't let things get too out of control or stressful? I don't know if you're the type of person that gets stressed out, but a lot of people are. (laughs) Yeah. I've never actually been burned out from making content. I it's, that's awesome. I mean, I love Twitter as much something that I've always wanted to do. I would say if anybody is feeling burnt out, then it's probably that they're overextending themselves. They're going on, you know, way too many guest spots on other people's podcasts. They should probably cut back on something like that and focus on their own work. Um, Maybe that's why I haven't ever been burned out is because I don't go on a lot of other people's podcasts. I typically stick to my own stuff. And um, whenever I have something I need to do, I just kind of do it. Um, If I need to do a video that day, I just do it. And then I go and relax and go, you know, for a bike ride or go golfing or go, you know, hang out with my friends or whatever. So I, I think just having a balance of like, cause I love, I, I spend some days, you know, 10, 14 hours doing fantasy stuff. Some days it only, you know, four or five hours is all I need to spend on whatever I needed to do that day. And you brought up friends. Do your friends hit you up for fantasy advice? All the time, all the time. <laughs> and uh, they're getting a little irritated with me in our home league because I'm basically like a ringer now. Um, <laughs> because I've won the championship two years in a row. And they said, if I win it again, they're going to kick me out. Um, so I might have to tank this season to make sure that I don't get kicked out of the league that I like the most. So um, our commissioner actually threatened to leave the league uh, this year. Oh, wow. Because, um, because I kept winning. 
And um, nobody wants to trade with me anymore because they know exactly why I'm trading with them. They know I'm buy lowing on a uh, buying low on a player that has good usage but not good production. Uh, they know that my strategy is that now, which is yeah. the risk that I take when I'm putting out content, right? Because half yeah. of them listen to it, half yeah. of them followed my draft advice, and some of them like drafted players like Brandon. Like I didn't actually even get Brandon Ayuk in that league because he went way higher than I expected because everyone was listening to my content and knew <laughs> that Brandon Ayuk was a guy that I loved. I think that's another reason I'm not putting out fantasy content right now. Um, I like <laughs> listening to my league mates all their podcasts so I can kind of get the little tidbits, but you know, <laughs> that's not the way to do it. So getting to know your leagues and kind of knowing who's in your league, how important is that to being able to make trades and, and do all of that and roster building and dynasty. It's extremely important. It's um, the video that we put out today. Rule number one was know your league, like legitimately of how to rebuild properly was know your league, write down everything that you can think of when it comes to building out a dynasty. If you're trying to rebuild, you need to know how your league behaves. Is, is this all redraft players uh, that you grew up playing with? And this is their first dynasty league. If that's the case, then you know that they're probably not going to know how to value rookie draft picks and stuff like that versus, um, you know, a league of sharps, like, you know, for example, like a bean counter and a bunch of like real mm-hmm. dynasty players and know what they're doing. You can't necessarily get away with stuff like that. Right. So right. knowing who you're playing with is definitely very, very important, especially in dynasty leagues and redraft leagues. There's a little bit more luck involved in a redraft league because it's one season versus dynasty is more, uh, you know, talent, long-term base building a roster type of thing. So, uh, knowing your league is, is extremely important in dynasty. So if you're, I'm not going to, asking for a friend, if you're only in dynasty leagues with people who are these sharps, how would you suggest joining another dynasty league with people that maybe aren't as in tune with with what's going on just to kind of like see how things could be different or do you just stick it out and see that it's just going to be like that? I mean, iron sharpens iron. If you're in a league yeah. of sharps, you're going to become a better dynasty player. I've never, I've never been in a league with like casual dynasty players. So I on like I see some yeah. of the teams that people will submit to us for dynasty decisions, and they just got like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts, Justin Herbert all over their team. I'm like, <laughs> how in the hell did you get a team like this? Like I have never <laughs> built a team like that. That's and, why I asked, so I could get a team like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're playing with you know what you'd consider sharp dynasty players, you yeah. got to be sharper than them. That's really all that uh, it comes down yeah. to. And that's so crazy when everybody's kind of like on the same guy, you know, and, and they're, you know, the values are all the, well, I think values mi- are- micro player analysis is one of the least important factors in playing dynasty. And it, it's obviously important to some degree because you're still fielding a roster, but mm-hmm. the, the idea of like taking advantage of your individual league market is something that I still think that even sharp dynasty players or who I would consider somewhat sharp dynasty players that make dynasty content still don't necessarily take into effect. They are still for the most part focused on, you know, player X over player Y type of stuff. Excellent. I'm taking notes real quick. Uh, <laughs> now I feel like this is just like a, an informational session just between us, but not for the <laughs> entire group of people listening. So I'll ask some questions that people also want to know. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, but if you weren't talking about fantasy football, is there anything that you are passionate about that you think would be cool to have a video series or a podcast about? I love comedy. I love, I love stand up comedy. I love, you know, comedians. It's, it's something that, you know, if I'm able to, and I, I honestly like want to work in football till the day I die. So I want to be like Gil Brandt, like 82 years old, still working in football. Um, but if I didn't do football stuff, or if I wanted to just have like a side passion on the side, I would love to try stand up comedy someday. And uh, I just, I'm, it's, I, I can't get enough of it. It's all, all the podcasts I listen to are stand up comedy or just pod uh, comedy podcasts in general. 
Do you like uh, going to comedy shows? I have actually never been to one. Oh, so I'm we're going actually to to New York um, with Underdog in late June, and I'm gonna go to my favorite comedy club or my favorite comedian's regular spot, uh, the the Comedy Cellar in New York City. So I want to go there in uh, late June, but that will be my first time going to an actual live comedy uh, comedy show. Awesome. I mean, that, that is super awesome. And, and being able, like you said, speaking up in class, you know, and, and podcasting. I mean, that's right up your alley is doing standup. I can see you on stage doing that because you're so comfortable behind the mic. Um, so that's, that's super awesome to hear as well. Um, you brought up hobbies that you enjoy doing as well. Um, is there anything that you really, really, really are focused in on besides fantasy football, something that you're really all about? I love golf too. I'm not, you know, I'm not an elite golfer or anything like that, but I'm trying to get better at it. Um, it's something I love, love doing. Um, and also just, you know, having a good time with my buddies too, you know, going out for drinks, you know, going out for dinner, doing stuff, playing sports, all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna ask you a question that you're not supposed to ask women's, but I can ask you cause you're a dude. How old are you by the way? 23. Okay. 23. See, gosh you guys and your motivation and your your skills and everything when i was 23 like i was out drinking right now i'll probably hang over hung over tomorrow so um it's awesome to see the the way that you're you know going about this and you're so professional like you everything like you were talking about earlier with the the uh, thumbnails and everything else your, your stuff looks very 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 professional and i know that you touched on that being an important thing um so what would be your number one tip to somebody that's trying to like brighten up something that they've already put out it's kind of like they want to like elevate what they've been putting out there they haven't been putting in the time stamps or the descriptions or the tags the right way what's what would you suggest they do learn skills learn learn how to do new things so i mean it might seem like it's enough to put out a fantasy video and people will watch it because it's a fantasy video but there's a lot of people doing that now. Like you need to, mm-hmm. if you want to make it, it, or I don't know what your goal is in the, whatever the fantasy industry is, maybe you just want to make, you know, one good podcast a week or whatever. If that's your goal, then you need to learn skills to make sure that one podcast that you put out per week is something that people want to listen to. And that includes, you know, learning how to edit videos, learning how to make good thumbnails, learning how to organize your thoughts in a way that it makes it digestible for the, for the person viewing the content. So Um, I would say learning as many skills as possible because when I first started, I didn't know how to do any of that shit. I just thought, you know, I could hop, I know enough about football. I can hop on a video and just, you know, ramble on for, for half an hour, 45 minutes and people want to listen to it, but that's not really how it works. Is there an app or a program, some sort of equipment or tool or anything that was kind of a game changer for you for putting out content? Um, so the, the video editing software that I use is called we video. It's really, really basic. It's not, you don't need to have like a design degree or anything to be able to use it. It's, you know, four or five tracks or whatever on my videos for the most part, I'm not doing anything super crazy. Mm-hmm. I have uh, we have a graphic designer that we pay on the side to make us like, um, graphics and stuff, but he is a professional editor. Like he uses final cut. He knows how to actually edit videos. Mm-hmm. eventually one day we want to get to the point that financially we can pay him to edit all of our videos, but we're not obviously there yet. So I would say if you're looking for a, a bare bones, like editing software, we video is really, really simple to use. Um, Canva is obviously really simple to use for thumbnails. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would also say too, if you have any, you know, uh, graphic designer friends that can make you some templates for thumbnails that, uh, that obviously goes a long way. And our, our buddy um, Jerome did that for us too. 
Canva is something that I use. I'm not very good at it, but I mean, I'm better than it's better than using paint, you know? <laughs> uh, and you can watch uh, you YouTube know? videos on Canva yeah. on how to use it properly too. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, it's pretty, it's free, you know, uh, knowledge yeah. that you can get on the internet. Just look up how to edit a video for beginners or how to make a thumbnail for beginners. Like you could, there's probably people on YouTube that have created, you know, full video series on how to properly use certain platforms. So that's what I would encourage a lot of people that are looking to, and this doesn't even have to apply to fantasy football. This is any content creation. You have to learn tangible skills to right. be able to grow in whatever industry you're in. And yes, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing more you can say about that. Um, also like audio quality and making sure that like video quality is good. Um, how important is that to putting out, you know, content, visual content? audio content it, it's extremely important you, you're going to lose people quickly if you're using you know airpods to put out a, <laughs> to put out a video like you don't need to have a four thousand dollar microphone or anything but something that is clear that people can understand you video wise like i have like a 250 dollar webcam like it's not it's not uh you know extraneous i have lights that i got on amazon for 50 bucks like eventually i would love to have you know a really good camera really good microphone and this microphone we actually just upgraded so it's a little better than the one i used to have but um, for the most part, uh, I would say it, it matters, but it doesn't need to be like, you know, uh, a huge blow to the checkbook or whatever. Like it, you, you just need to get good enough equipment, at least at the beginning so that people don't shut your video off. Cause it's so bad. I'm going to ask you about leagues and drafting your favorite kind of draft. What is the, your favorite setup format live or, you know, online? How do you, how do you like to draft? Uh, I love doing live drafts if I can. Um, we haven't done a live draft. I haven't done a live draft in a while. So it's been, it's been time obviously with like COVID and stuff like that. We weren't able to do those, but I eventually would love to do a live subscriber draft with uh, the people from uh, our audience. And I know, you know, Nick's been doing that for years and a number of other content creators have been doing that as well. Uh, that's basically just a live redraft league is just the, the bare bones fantasy, just classic, you know, stuff that I would love to do. Um, but dynasty drafts obviously are very fun as well. Talking about COVID did you, and the fact, I know earlier you brought up, we weren't sure if we we're going to have football. Um, did you think about that when it came to putting out content? Like how am I going to, how are we going to go about putting out content if there isn't any football? Not really. I kind of just, I, I assumed the NFL is too big to fail. Like I was just <laughs> like, yeah, they're probably going to be fine. They're going to find a way. They're not going to give up in this much money for for covid I, maybe that was a naive you know um way of thinking about things at the time <laughs> but i figured that the nfl would figure it out yeah and ended up doing it so i could only control what i could control at that point right at that point i was just like hey i'm gonna put out content with the assumption that the nfl season's gonna happen and with games you know in that first year, uh, year of covid and games being moved around and things like that how did did that throw a wrench in how you were putting out content or did that help with putting out content because it gave you more stuff to kind of do. I mean, with. a little bit because we had, um, I did, uh, um, and I did it last year too. I did like a breakdown of every running back and wide receiver that was fantasy relevant every week and talked about whether you should be starting them or sitting them or, you know, some of the recent usage and, um, you know, are they a buy low candidate kind of thing like that. So um, when we had like Tuesday football games, it was kind of weird because that was typically the days that I would do research on. And if I didn't have the usage stats, from the previous week and I kind of threw a wrench into those players. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I can't imagine trying to put out content like uh, 
So <laughs> that's just me, but I, I mean, mad props to you with all of the stuff that you put out and being able to do that and stay grounded and, you know, not, not burn out. That's just super awesome. Um, I want to talk about like the charity aspect of fantasy football, because there are tons of leagues nowadays that, um, you know, portions or all of the proceeds go towards a charity. Uh, we've got Scott Fishbowl and everything like that. Do you participate in any, any of those kind of leagues? I just got into the Scott Fishbowl hey? for the first time this year. So oh, that's um, so this awesome. is the first I had never got, I, I got, I applied the, the previous two years. I didn't get in. Danny actually has been in it for three years. This is going to be third year that he's wow. in it. Somehow he got in, even though we're on the same like platform, we make the same content, but, uh, somehow he, you know, squeaked through the algorithm or whatever, <laughs> but, uh, I got in actually really early on. I got in like three weeks ago. I know wow. he's only got, you know, 50% of the invites out or whatever. Yeah. So I was pretty surprised that I got in that early, but finally going to be in the Scott fishbowl this year. So. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Like, I know I say awesome a lot, but like it general genuinely does make us happy that those of us that have done it numerous times to see people, you know, get to go in for the first time. It's such a great experience. It's like uh, the start of the fantasy season. It's just, it's just wonderful. Uh, so had, had you been following it and everything in prior years, I know with Danny being a part of it, I'm sure you did, but had you been keeping an eye on it? Yeah. Me and Danny actually like drafted the team together last year. So, um, pretty much I've been following it and I know a lot of people, you know, tweet out the thread of like their team and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it is very, uh, it's rapid on dynasty or like on fantasy Twitter when, when yeah. the Scott Fishbowl drafts are going on. Yeah. I know some people were like, I didn't get in. I'm going to mute that, but it is a, it is a big thing. Um, everybody gets really excited and it really is like the summer shebang for, for fantasy football purposes. Um, how, how do you, um, well, how many leagues are you actually in? Do you, are you one of those people that knows how many leagues you're in? Or are you one of those people that's like, I don't know, that's a lot. Maybe part of the reason I don't get burnt out <laughs> is because I'm only in six leagues. There you go. So, um, and redraft wise, I'm only in like two. I'm, I'm just in my main home league and our, whatever our listener subscriber league is, uh, our main listener subscriber league. Cause I, I know, like you said, there's, there's people out there that are like 30 dynasty leagues. And like, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I'm a trader. Like I'm constantly active in those leagues. If I was in, mm -hmm. you know, eight, nine, 10 dynasty leagues, I would not be active in all those leagues. So I'm, uh, I'm only in four dynasty leagues and one of them's best ball too. So I don't even have to set oh, my okay. in that league and, uh, then two redraft leagues. So yeah, I'm only in six leagues. Best ball and dynasty leagues. They, the best ball dynasty has kind of taken off as of late. And I know that on your show today, you were talking about, you know, this would be good for best ball because you know, the, the booms, the boom games and everything. Is there, um, has there been a player that's been on your radar? Uh, that's one of those like guys, especially if you're in best ball that you should be focusing on. I'm i uh, I'm kind of like a zero RB hero RB guy. So, um, any like ambiguous backfield running back is always better in best ball. So I'm going to get a lot of like Ramondre Stevenson, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, or not Aaron Jones, uh, Ronald Jones types, uh, in, in best ball leagues, because you never know when those guys are going to score two touchdowns <laughs> in, in a standard redraft league, but that's why, you know, best ball is so fun. I think that's partially why I'm not in a lot of redraft leagues is because, I mean, I'm going to max enter best ball mania three. Um, uh, from underdog. So yeah, I get my, most of my redraft fix at underdog versus, um, you know, regular best ball or regular uh, redraft leagues with underdog and everything like the emergence of underdog. And so many people are, uh, a part of that now, you know, participate in it, use it. Um, how cool is it to see, you know, apps like that and programs like that take off like that? And why do you think people are so focused on that and want to be a part of that? 
honestly, I think they've just done a great job of, of reaching the audience that they need to reach. Um, we're actually in the underdog incubator program, uh, FSE and uh, Ron Stewart and a couple other Madden guys. We're in a program with them called the incubator where basically we're able to, um, you know, benefit each other. They help us grow. We help them, uh, you know, promote underdog and stuff like that. And I think they've done a great job with all of their partners, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Nick, you know, overset, uh, establish the run, all those guys, they're all kind of in tune with the underdog scene and best ball is becoming its own kind of niche of dynasty. I know people that only play best ball, um, that are fantasy players. I did a best ball dynasty league and it kind of folded. It was one of those leagues. I know you were talking about making sure that, uh, you, you know, you know what's going on. And if you see that maybe the league will fold, you don't want to kind of get in a league like that. Uh, so how, when you're looking to find a new league to be a part of, how should a person go about doing that? So they don't end up in a league that folds after a year or two. I mean, thankfully for us, we, we are running the leagues for the most part that we start because they're like subscriber leagues with people. So mm-hmm. we know that they're not going to fold because we're the commissioners of them. <laughs> but if it's, you know, a person that doesn't make content or whatever, I would say um, finding people that you maybe know already to do a dynasty league, maybe your redraft league that you do with your you know college buddies, work buddies, whatever, um, trying to convince them to, to start a dynasty league would be the best possible scenario because you guys all know each other. It's probably not going to fold if you guys do a good job of setting up rules and all that kind of stuff. And also like our discord, which is free. There's plenty of people that always want to join dynasty leagues in there. Um, and then I know, you know, a number of other content creators channels have like discords and stuff that you could join dynasty leagues in. And discord is another thing that's popped off as of late. It's been a thing that people utilize constantly for their their content for their fans, the people that want to listen to what they have to say. Um, has there been anything else that's come out as of late that you think is one of those, like keep an eye on it. It might be the next big thing kind of thing. I know clubhouse was on the radar for like, <laughs> like two minutes. Um, and uh, people were using that. I thought it was a pretty, co- like a, a kind of a, co- a new, a cool concept, but it yeah. didn't really end up sticking, but uh, may- I don't know. Maybe there's going to be a new platform that comes out soon that people can gravitate towards. And I would say anybody that is looking to get into fantasy content creation at all, I would say TikTok is still relatively, like mm-hmm. I said at the beginning of the video, um, TikTok is still relatively new and there's not a lot of people on it. And there's, you know, even the people that are on it, the content isn't like the greatest in my opinion. So um, if a new platform emerges, then whatever new content creator, like make sure you try and establish <laughs> yourself as quick as possible on that new platform that comes out because it will probably uh, draw eyes away from the other platforms, which is why I think, you know, um, 10 years ago, I'm sure Facebook was probably a huge thing for fantasy football. And I'm, I legitimately have never posted anything fantasy related on either Facebook or Instagram, to be honest. Oh yeah. Yeah. Instagram is a big one. I know people bring up too, but I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. I'm a big Twitter user. I have a hard time with uh, like having multiple platforms. That's just who I am as a yeah. person. But I know that it is good to utilize all of those. And when you brought up Clubhouse, I was jealous. Android user couldn't you? I think that was one of the big problems. Was a lot of Android users wanted to be able to get on Clubhouse. And sorry. So when it finally came around, it was like everybody was already off of it. So. <laughs> um, but and, and now Twitter has like. Uh, what what do they have spaces or whatever it's called? I yeah, yeah, they they know. tried a bunch of stuff. They had They're fleets all at kinds one of stuff. point. Yeah, too. and the fleets. Like I, I kind of miss the fleets. I kind of like the fleets. Yeah, I mean, I never really utilized them, but yeah, I forgot all about them until you just brought them up. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, but yeah, get on. I mean, at some point, I'm sure somebody thought fleets were going to be like a huge thing, and they were like constantly putting out fleets. So I mean, yeah, throw a bunch of stuff out there and see what sticks when it comes to the different social media networks that are out there. Um, 
you know, I'm going to go ahead and since we've been talking and I'm starting to get to a rambling point in the night, that means it's time to start winding down. So people, this is Corey Bush, whatever you guys want to call him. I'm sure he'll respond. But uh, will you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, Corey, and um, also like what kind of content you have coming out and all that jazz? Yeah, so um, my Twitter is at football stock over there. I, I try and tweet out stuff that I research and also, um, you know, call out stupid takes that I see on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I never do it in a malicious way, but I do do it sometimes uh, to, you know, let people know that maybe I'm just curious about other people's processes too. So right. like I, said, I, I, I tend to a- interact with a lot of, you know, other content creators for the most part on Twitter. And then on YouTube, uh, Fantasy Stock Exchange is the name of the YouTube channel. Like I said, we're, you know, just we hit 10,000 subscribers right as the NFL draft was happening. So that was a huge milestone for us. We're pretty much, I mean, we off the cuff, like on a weekly and sometimes even daily basis, come up with the content that we're going to make for that day or for that week. So we kind of roll with the punches, roll with whatever the schedule and the calendar brings us. Um, we're going to get into like, a, you know, sneak peek of like our dynasty rankings because our, uh, our dynasty rankings manifesto is, you know, fully updated, fully, you know, ready to go. And that's, you know, available via our Patreon or, um, using promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit on underdog fantasy. You can get access to that as well. So, um, if anybody's interested in either of those things, they're all linked in the description of all of our videos and they're all on my link tree on my Twitter as well. So great to have you on the show. And I'm so happy that you got in the Scott fishbowl. That is just (laughs) amazing news. Look forward to all the content that you have coming out. All the people in my leagues don't listen to his content, though, because he gives me advice and I don't want you to have it. Anyway, Corey, I appreciate you coming on. And um, you guys and gals, make sure you come back next week for another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. Stay red. <laughs>